Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Whitney Barnard, and this is Torts to Courts, a personal injury podcast by Kaufman Law Firm in Atlanta, Georgia. On this podcast, we feature educational and engaging lifestyle segments that surround personal injury law, as well as insight and answers to the community's most commonly asked questions regarding accidents, the attorney process, and all things trending in the world of adulting. I'm Whitney Barnard, the Digital Marketing Manager for Kaufman Law, and I am here with Chuck McPhillamy. And what is your role here at Marietta Police Department, Chuck? I am the Public Information Officer for the Police Department. And we are here to talk about Georgia's new hands-free law. Chuck, what exactly is the hands-free law? The hands-free law really states that you have to choose, are you going to drive a vehicle or are you going to hold a telephone? You can't do both anymore. That would be the quickest summary I could make of it. Okay, this law went into place on July 1st. Correct. Um, Who do you think this law will affect the most since it's went into place? I would have to say that the younger population driving would be affected most because when you talk about demographics, someone 50 years or older didn't grow up with a cell phone in their hand. They may have gotten used to it over the last 20 years, but they didn't have it from a young age. When you're talking about a driver 30 and under, they've grown up thinking it's normal to immediately answer that phone. It's almost painful to them to not have it because they feel like they're disconnected. Right. I think I was telling you last time I talked to you, my my mom took my brothers and sisters on a cruise and they were just so pained for, for days because they couldn't access the internet, couldn't place calls. It was like they to be off the grid was something they had not heard of and not wanted to be a part of. So I, I do agree that the millennial era is going to be the one that suffers the most. Um, As far as Uber and Lyft drivers go, I know that they use their GPS probably more than any of us. What do you think is the best practice for people who are using GPS on an ongoing basis inside their car? The challenge here will be how can we work together to keep each other safe? Just being candid, we're asking people, we're, we're actually ordering people with this new law to give up a freedom in order or in the name, if you will, of public safety um, in order to keep people safe. When I'm thinking about an Uber driver or a Lyft driver, I'm thinking about someone who's usually going to be parked somewhere waiting for that message to come through. So no harm, no foul. They can be on that phone if they're parked. Uh, And they wouldn't normally just park haphazard. They would normally pull off the road somewhere and put the car in park and be in an actual parking space. When it comes to picking up that person, Now you're talking about a little bit of an awkward situation because to be honest with you as a a police officer, it can be challenging that the average driver may choose to just stop in a lane of travel while they allow you to get into their car. Well, that's causing a traffic backup. It can cause accidents. We've seen one case here on the square where someone swung a door open and another passing car ripped the door right <laughs> off the car. Right. Well, whose fault is that? Well, that's the Uber or Lyft driver who chose to stop in the lane of travel. But we also understand that it's a different era. You, you didn't have these when the roads were originally designed. And it's a good concept for them to be offering this service in the area. I think I would challenge that driver and say, pull to an area that's safe, a loading zone, an unloading zone, somewhere off to the side. 
get the fare inside the car and if you feel like you really have to manipulate the phone travel 10 feet 20 feet 50 feet pull into a parking spot somewhere put the car in park figure out exactly what you need to do and then proceed the law states that you have to be in a designated parking space it states that because it doesn't want that driver just stopping in the middle of a lane of travel that okay. would be considered violating the law I don't think any officer out there, and certainly I can't speak for every officer, and there is such a thing as officer discretion, but I don't think the average police officer in the state is going to fault a Lyft driver or an Uber driver if they're obviously trying to do the right thing, if they're pulling over to the side, if they're parking the car, if they have it in park. But if you're sitting there in the middle of a lane of travel, the car's in drive, you have your foot on the brake, you're violating the law right. when you pick up the phone. You just are. There's no... There's no hiding that. So again, we, we really want to emphasize this is about safety. A little bit of common sense and a little bit of working together, I think will fix all of those issues. Using your best frame of reference, I guess, if you will, to, to make these decisions. As far as hands-free goes for people who drive older model vehicles, I know that a lot of people saw this law coming and they're like, well, great, I have Bluetooth. I don't need anything else. What about the people who drive older model vehicles who don't have that option? What is your best advice for them to go hands-free? It's going to have to be a, a trial and error for each driver. Each one of us is unique. I happen to have an old pickup truck that I use occasionally, and it's 20, 30 plus years before Bluetooth. Right. Um, but I also know that that truck is a little loud, and it probably has a crazy amount of wind noise inside. I'm not going to be able to do the traditional hands-free driving. In my case, I've had to reconcile when I'm in that truck, unless I was willing to use just the earbud with the microphone, I have to accept the fact that I can't be in compliance with the law and I need to just turn the phone off or flip it upside down and leave it on the bench seat next to me and ignore it while I'm driving. Right. Um, those are all choices. There are devices out there that I could go buy, that any of us could go buy. I think of of any one of the auto parts stores, they've all been sending out flyers about devices that are $10, $20 or less. It really comes down to a choice. Do you think that you can operate the vehicle safely and be on that phone at the same time? And if you do, what device do you need to comply with this law? Those are personal choices. Right, and that uh, you mentioned earbuds. That brings me to my next question is, where do those stand? Are we allowed to use them? Should we avoid it? I know you mentioned the microphone and the one earbud in, like what's the best practice there? Well, as with any law, it comes with some questions that will only be answered through court cases to come. If you look at Georgia law, there is a law in place that states that you cannot drive with headphones on. The reason for that law was originally because they didn't want you to not be able to hear emergency personnel, so a fire truck or an ambulance that's approaching. And that's understandable. If I, sure. If I have those headphones on, and let's be honest, you're a female, I'm a male, put me in a younger demographic, put me 20 years ago, if I have those headphones on, I probably have them cranked loud. Right. Which means not only are they blocking my hearing of anything close, they're blocking all of my hearing. Well, so the state kicked in and created a law and said that that's illegal because it could cause accidents. Well, now you have the hands-free driving law saying it's okay to use those devices. I would ask that driver, do you really want to 
comply with the spirit of the law. If you do, and you're that driver, and you understand that not everything in this world is cut and dry and easy to articulate, hats off to the legislators that put this law together. And it's it's incredibly thorough and well thought out. When it comes to that one piece of the law, again, let common sense prevail. The earbuds that I use traditionally, if I'm jogging or I'm out working out, have two different earbuds and one of them has a microphone attached to that side. Right. Work with me. Wear that one with the microphone, you can still hear, you can still communicate through that, you're not violating any spirit of the law, and you can still hear out of the opposite ear by if there the was anything by leaving the other one out, you can still hear if there was an emergency happening nearby. You do get yourself in a little bit of a challenge. You're not supposed to support the phone with any part of your body. Okay. So if I were just being candid with you and I put an earbud in either of my ears, where am I going to set the phone most likely? In your lap. In my lap. Right. which is not what the law says. Right. And people might argue why. Well, because you make one right turn or one left turn, which I think most of us do at some point while we're mm-hmm. driving, and the phone slides off your lap. Definitely. And then you're looking for the phone or you're trying to re-support it. Before you know it, you're distracted. That's the whole point in the law, having it be not distracted. If you have a seat that you can set it next to you, you're in compliance. Wear the one earbud, have the phone on the seat next to you, you're good. Right, absolutely. So I know you're not supposed to have it in your lap. When are you allowed to touch it? It isn't so much about physically touching it. We've had a lot of questions about what if I have to do more than one press? What if I have to touch it twice? What if I have to... Right. The point is, are you using that screen while you're driving down the road? Okay. If I have an iPhone device, I can do the Hey Siri and I can start going through and asking voice commands. Um, I don't have as much experience, me personally, with the Android devices, but with Android devices, I believe you can do Hey Google and Mm -hmm. set that up to do virtually the same thing. So you could set it up to use in that fashion and never have to actually touch the device. And, And people have said, well, what if I have to swipe it to answer the phone? What if I have to push it once? Or what if I have to, if you're having to open the phone, if you're saying, hey, I wanna call Chuck McPhillamy, and you have to swipe your phone to open it, and then you have to press an unlock key, you've now violated the spirit of the law and you and I both know that. Right, right. right. If it's a one or two press, then no one's ever going to question that. Because if you've done it right, you have some sort of a clip or a cell phone mount in Mm -hmm. your car, the phone isn't in your hands, and you've touched it once or twice, and then your hands are back on the wheel. Right. No one's going to challenge that. The challenge comes into, are you using, are you actually operating that device while you're driving down the road? Opening and closing apps. Correct. Because then at that point, you're staring at the wrong thing. You're not looking at the windshield in front of you. You're right. looking at the telephone. Right. The Governor's Office of Highway Safety and a couple of other organizations put out a statistic that I printed off before coming in here. It says, what is distracted driving? Distracted driving is any activity that diverts attention from driving, including talking or texting on your phone, eating and drinking, talking to people in your vehicle, fiddling with the stereo, entertainment or navigation system, anything that takes your attention away from the task of safe driving. This law doesn't cover all of that, but it covers the bulk of it. And it goes on to say, texting is the most alarming distraction. Sending or reading a text takes your eyes off the road for five seconds. At 55 miles an hour, that's like driving the length of an entire football field with your eyes closed. Right. How can we expect that won't end in some sort of tragedy? Absolutely. 
I remember when I think I was fresh out of high school and I had taken a defensive driving class and the texting while driving law had maybe just gone into effect. And I think that, you know, for, for my age group, you know, we were thinking, what's the big deal? Are you, are you serious? So, and then I went to these classes and they started breaking down these statistics and these stories for us about these, you know, these other younger people that have been texting while driving. And I know one of them, um, a young girl, she was the same age as me and she had, she had died in a car accident and reading a text message from her mom that just said, Hey, and I was just like, you know, it really floored me because those things are things we don't realize. And I think a lot of younger people don't realize until they're in that situation, until that happens to you. So I think this will be another one of those situations for them where they start to realize there's other ways for me to do things. As a culture, we as young Americans tend to think of ourselves as invincible. We just don't have any concept of how fragile we really are as a human being in this body. And I think you're right. I think that the average young driver is going to probably roll their eyes and say, this is just big brother, the man trying to put me down. This is any number of different statements you can come up with that would basically say, I should be allowed to do this and this doesn't affect me. The reality is each one of us behave differently. How do you govern a group of such individuals? How do you keep them all safe? The law may not need to apply to one young driver who is just that one anomaly that may be able to do that. But the reality is the government has said, no, in this state, we're going to choose to be hands-free while we're driving. Right. And you have to comply with that, or you have to accept that there's consequences. There was a statistic that I saw that said the 15 states that have passed hands-free driving saw a 16% decrease in traffic fatalities in the two years after the law was passed and additional reductions in subsequent years. When you're talking about statistics that say, hey, if we accept this law, we're going to be safer on the roads, that's where your legislators kicked in and said, we can't ignore the facts. The facts are distracted driving is causing accidents. Right. How many times do you see an accident? And of them, how many are where someone rear-ended someone else? Right. Absolutely. I agree. And are the majority of those because someone was distracted? Yes, they are. Now, was it specific to a cell phone? I don't know those statistics, but the reality is if we can take a step to reduce some of those, Mm -hmm. I can tell you I've been rear-ended multiple times in my driving career. It's not fun. It's a whole lot of neck pain. It's a whole lot of back pain. It's a whole lot of now what do I do with my car? How do I get it fixed? Who do I have to talk to? Waiting on the side of the road for an officer. All of it. All of it's awful. There's, There's nothing good about any of that. So if we can adopt this and accept the fact that we're now a hands-free driving state, we're going to see a reduction in those accidents. And that's a win for all of us. I will say, yeah, definitely. There are a lot of things that are distracting in your cars. And I think we both know they're never going to quit putting radios and, you know, most of the cars have apps in them now too. And, you know, you drive the smart vehicles, but my phone is the most distracting thing inside my vehicle. It is. Other than my children, of course. uh, Well, there is that. (laughs) Um, I don't think we're ever going to pass a law that you can't take your children. Um, so I, when when you look at the cell phone, it's not a traditional cell phone. It's basically replaced the average person's tablet or computer. Definitely. How many times do you see families sitting around actually using a desktop computer anymore? I know. 
But if you're sitting in your own home, how likely are you to do almost every single thing on your cell phone instead of getting a tablet? I, I know when I pull analytics for my job, I mean, smartphones are, you know, heads and tails above desktop or even tablets for that matter. So, I mean, smartphones are, are leading the way for us. Think back 30 years ago, talk to someone who's old enough to have been driving 30 years ago. And the biggest frustration would have been if I got behind a quote unquote Sunday afternoon driver, that driver who was just kind of meandering through the town slowly and you had some place to be right now, get out of my way was sort of, that was the the frustration. That was the frustration. And you had your radio and you could turn the radio up and down and you may have had a cassette. I think when you really went back, you had an eight track in the cars. After that, you had CD players in the cars, but that was, that was the extent of anything distracting you in the car. You were looking at the driving as an experience. Now there really isn't there. It is, it is. You're right. I was going to say there isn't a difference, but there is, you're right. The driving becomes a hassle. I think you and I even joked Mm -hmm. about, will you drive to a grocery store or will you just choose to have them bring it to you? Right. I don't go to the grocery store anymore. Number one, I I can't stand the grocery store. But (laughs) I mean, why would I when there's an app that I can place my order through and then someone brings it to me? I don't have to try to leave my house and maneuver through traffic and then maneuver back and make it an hour and a half long excursion just to get groceries for the week. But that aggravation of getting in the car and driving, take that thought process and now put yourself at a light that's just turned red. You're already in that mind, as you said, aggravated that you're driving, so you turn to your best friend. You're like, your what cell can phone. I do to get my mind off this? I, I'm annoyed that I had to drive in the first place, and right. now I'm annoyed that I'm stuck at a red light, and I have to somehow maximize my time. What can I do? And I've watched people that I've been in the car with over the years, not since the law has passed, but they'll pull up their phone and they'll look at their email. Then you want to respond. Nothing I, well, let's just assume nothing immediately that I want to respond to. Okay. Okay, well, I'm bored with that. The light's still red. So now I have to open something else. Well, let me go to Facebook. Right. I don't really want to be on Facebook anymore. Let me go to Instagram. Well, I don't know. These are all cat and dog photos. Okay, I'm over it. Let me, let me go to Snapchat. Let me go to, right? Where do you draw? It's almost (laughs) painful for that young person sitting in the car at that red light they have to have something. And my my point earlier was 20 years from now, I think we're going to see some sort of burnout where you can't just push the body 24-7, 365 right. to constantly be under some sort of entertainment or stimulation from a device like a cell phone. I just right. think it's going to have a toll on our society. Today, front and center, hands-free driving, I think the big challenge for the young driver is going to be enduring that change getting past that pain of right i can't believe i'm staring at the back of the car in front of me i feel like i'm <laughs> going to lose my mind yeah will the light please for the love of god just change green wait the driver didn't go it's yeah. going to be painful i read an article in one of the newspapers this morning that said a local driver said she was so concerned because she knew that she was going to violate it that she changed her lock screen to just be text that said hands-free driving law. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So so the second she went to pick up the phone and touched the phone, it's right there in her face. And I thought, okay, kudos. If that's what you need to help you 
that you're right. It's a behavioral change that we're asking people. You're to make. talking about developing a new habit. You are helping these people, like how, whatever way you need to do that, figure it out best. I know like it's the same way as dieting. If you're going to diet, you're obviously going to struggle those first few days and want to go to Chick-fil-A for those milkshakes. But like, what do you need to do to get through this? So I know that you were talking about some, some different things that can help you with the hands-free driving. Whenever we were talking the other day, you said um, about auto text. I thought that was a great idea, super interesting. And the other people that are receiving that know that you're being safe. Right after the law was put into place, I had a group text message that came to me from a supervisor and it was sent out to several of us. And I received the message and then within a second, I got a message from one of the officers. It was an auto reply. I'm sorry, I'm driving right now and I can't check this text message. I'll respond after I'm done driving or something to that effect. Right. I haven't used the service yet myself, but I love it. I love the concept of it because let's face facts. First, you have to get over the fact that you're dying of curiosity to know what that text message right. said. If you can get past that, now you you feel like you're just an excruciating pain that I feel like I'm ignoring them. They're used to me responding right away. Right. They're going to wonder if something's wrong. They're going to want to know. Mm-hmm. We live in a society where people expect such a fast turnaround on an answer. It's unrealistic, to be honest right. with you. Right. But we have grown accustomed to it. If we're going to change that habit, something like that auto reply alleviates some of that pain mentally, individually. I know that not only do I not need to look, they're going to be notified and I can look at it when I get home. Right. I do think it's important to remember we always have the right to pull over, pull into a parking space and then do whatever we need to do. Because some of us have jobs that every that second counts. require a response immediately. Every second counts. Right. right. I get that. I don't have the answer for that individual because they're going to have to make a bunch of different personal choices. Do I really want to be in a car that I'm driving during these times if my job is that crucial? Should I try and schedule it around a break where I'm not needed or should I take an Uber or a Lyft or a taxi or each one of us has different choices to make. If I were that person that had that type of a job, I think I would be looking at which smartphone device allows me the most freedom and voice commands. Mm -hmm. And then I would be looking at a vehicle that allowed me, but realize these are expensive things that we're talking about. Oh, absolutely. I'm not trying to trivialize that at all. I'm only saying if you find yourself in a place where suddenly this is altering your way of doing business, then you may need to look at some serious changes because the underlying truth here, none of us wearing a police uniform want to pull you over or give you a ticket. Right. We would love to not do that. If you don't realize that, you should. It's paperwork and then more paperwork. And then you want to go to court. And then I have more paperwork. And then I have to come in on my day off to go into court. And that, right, none of these, right? So you put on, a, each different person puts on a uniform for their job. Think of somebody working on cars as an auto mechanic. They don't want to wear the shorts and t-shirt that they would wear at home or whatever outfit they want to wear at home right. to go work on my car. They're going to get filthy. Well, our uniform has a whole lot of parts to it. It doesn't go on easy or come off easy. There's just a lot to it. So on a day off, do I really want to stop what I'm doing, 
come in at a set time, go sit in court with you and wait for our case to be heard. No, just being candid with you. The average officer doesn't want to write you the ticket. They also don't want to go have to notify your family if you've been hurt and injured because you got hit by a distracted driver. Right. If I were being 100% candid, the average officer would love it if everyone complied and we didn't have to write any tickets. Right. The state realized, okay, well, that's just unrealistic. That's that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So the state kicked in a fee schedule that said $50 and one point for the first ticket, $100 and two points for the second offense, third and subsequent convictions, $150 each, and three points. The points are what are going to hurt because that's going to change their insurance rates. Right, absolutely. And after you and I were talking about the auto response, I obviously go straight and start looking at it on my phone. And I really like it because you can customize it to say whatever you want. So I went in, customized the text, and then it's under the do not disturb. So all I have to remember is to hit that do not disturb button before I leave my house. Perfect. And so if you can't remember that, you can actually set a reminder, hey, every time you notice I'm leaving my house, Really? Remind me, turn on my do not disturb. (laughs) So when I start backing out of my driveway, if I haven't turned it on, my phone's like, reminder, turn on do not disturb. So I just hit that. So everybody receives it when I'm driving. Back to the distracted driving situation. I wanted to ask you, what are some of the craziest things that you've seen people do while in the car with their car cranked? Either they're at a red light, they're driving down the road, whatever. Oh, geez. The list is endless. After the law was signed and before it went into act, July 1st, I was I was in my own personal vehicle. I was out of uniform. And it was one of many times where I'm sure all of us have been in that situation that we were frustrated thinking, I wish I were a cop right now. I'd write them a ticket. Well, I am a cop, but I didn't have my uniform. I wasn't in the marked car. I couldn't give them the ticket. I'm sitting right near the big chicken. And there's a person in front of me who was... 50-ish, 50 to 60-year-old, and he's holding something in one hand. It may have been food in one hand, and he's messing with the phone with the other, and he's using his knee to drive, and he just stops. It's one lane of travel, and apparently his brain hit capacity, and he decided, nope, too much stimuli. So we went from 35 to 25 to 15 to, what the heck are we doing? We're just stopped. We're in the middle of the road. We're not even at a light. I hit the horn and he's like distracted looking around like, what, what? I hit the horn again. And he kind of like flails his arms up like, what? I hit the horn again. Like, hello. Go. We're driving. He had lost such touch with reality somewhere between eating and doing something on the phone and trying to drive with his knee. He just decided, nope, we're done. (laughs) Right. I I had a... uh, a um, friend of the family that as she aged um, she is now not driving she is of that age that she has given up her driving Um, so we're talking significantly older she was that free spirit who said I'm not going to allow technology to pass me by I know I'm getting old and I know that I'll never know as much as the kids but by God I'm gonna have the latest cell phone I'm gonna have the tablet I'm gonna have a laptop I'm gonna she had to have it all and she, I guess, associated picking up the phone with standing in a kitchen in a hallway. She spent the vast majority of her life without ever owning a cell phone. Right. She was a very good driver up until she had her cell phone. 
And then she'd have her cell phone, and the minute she'd answer the phone, she'd just slam on the brake. <laughs> like, um, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. Pretty sure you're going to get in a really serious accident here. This is it's becoming a bad idea. We've seen, and, and no offense to women, because guys are just as bad with shaving, but we've seen a million times where women are, I don't know how you do it. I don't. I'm, I'm very happy that I was born a boy. I'm very happy that I don't have to mess with any of the 20 different types of makeup or however many there really are. But the fact that you can even do all of that in a bathroom in front of a mirror is already amazing. Please don't try to do that behind the wheel of a car. It doesn't work well. Right. All of us around you are looking with our mouth open saying, what the heck are you doing? Why do you have three or four different brushes and pencils and whatever else you're using out? You're driving a car. Right. I want to know mostly, like, which mirror are you using to do this out of? Because if it's your visor mirror, then you have that shielding your face. Seems like a bit of a problem to me. Sadly, this new law does not control that. Um, we do still have distracted driving. We can still pull that person over. But this law is really focused more on the phone. But you're right. Then you have the guy who decides, nah, I don't need to shave at home. I'll just do that while I'm driving down the road. Which, if you were truly focused in front of you, okay, maybe. But that's not what any of us see going down the road. No, we see the guy doing the contortions of his face, trying to stretch his neck one way and stretch his neck the next and pull his upper lip down and look (laughs) in the mirror. Okay, you're focused on weird facial contortions and using your razor and looking in the mirror. Where does driving fall into that? Right. Like, is that number five or six or further down the list? We have freedoms in this country that I think all of us were, are willing to say at, you know, some may argue over which one they like better or they don't like, but the reality is we love our freedom. We do. Right. The law is asking us to give up one of those freedoms, but it's asking us to do something in the name of public safety with documentation of how it's worked in other states and with documentation of how that current behavior is causing accidents. I don't think any one of us, if we weren't sitting in front of a car with blue lights getting a ticket, if we were just having this conversation over a dinner table, Mm -hmm. I don't think any one of us would say, that's a stupid law. I think the reality is everybody would say, it's about time. This is a law that was needed. And while none of us really wants to be the one that gets the ticket, this has been needed. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings me to the last thing I was going to ask you about is what do you foresee happening in the world of devices and driving? What what do you think will be next that happens with everything that, that we're being given as far as devices are concerned? Because I know it's, you know, everything that Apple's come out with so far is just mind boggling to most of us. And this is not even a touch to what they will eventually come out with. I think you almost have to ask yourself, what's the wildest, craziest thing you could possibly fathom and then say, it'll be stranger than that. My grandparents were born right around 1900, 1901, and they lived almost 100 years. And I thought long and hard for quite a few years about what it must have been like being born in 1900 and living until the late 1990s. That's a generation that grew up without automobiles, without planes, 
without indoor plumbing, without right. indoor electricity, without telephones, without any of the conveniences that we call standard now. I can't imagine what that must have been like for them to have grown up and watch all of those changes. And when I found myself thinking, well, we'll never see another generation that will see that many radical changes. Well, stop and think about the person who was born in 1960, 70, 1980. Mm -hmm. They grew up without a microwave oven. They right. grew up without a cell phone. They grew up without color TV. They grew up without having a remote control for a television. They grew up only knowing a rotary dial telephone. Right. And now you put them in a place where the state is already testing driverless vehicles. The government already has them and has tested them in several states across the country. They're looking at ways to try and implement that to relieve congestion issues. When you talk about what could happen next, I think the reality is you have now 16 states that have hands-free driving. If I were a telephone manufacturer, not the cell phone service, not AT&T or Verizon, but if I were one of the companies making the phones, each time another state kicks on and becomes that much more, I'm looking at demographics. Mm -hmm. Who do I have as a market that I could be targeting? Each time another state adopts this like we just have, I think you're going to see more and more push from those companies to create new creative ways so you'll choose their product instead of the next. Oh, absolutely. As a consumer, I think we all gain from that. What do I see happening? I see us as a culture still loving our old vehicles. So you're going to have some legacy vehicles out there forever. Right. But I don't see them necessarily on the road as much. Mm -hmm. It seems like each year that passes, they become more of a novelty that really only gets used to drive short distances. They aren't right. the daily driver. I think the vehicles themselves are going to be designed to keep us safer. I would say this is a chance for all of us to choose a behavior that we know will keep ourselves and others safer. Right. Even though it will be painful for me, just speaking first person singular, mm -hmm. it will be painful for me to remember, nope, don't get on the phone, because I've been trying to change over the last 60 days. Mm -hmm. And I have had several times where I'll be three or four button presses in and then think, oh, it's not a law yet. Well, now it is. Now it is, yeah. Now we're trying to fix ourselves. Well, thank you so much for answering all my questions and for going in depth more about this law. I really appreciate it. Thank you my so pleasure. much. My pleasure. It was so nice to talk to you. That's all for today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Torts to Courts, a personal injury podcast by Kaufman Law here in Atlanta, Georgia. Be sure to keep up with us on social media. And for more info about the firm, visit www.injury.law. We'll see you guys next time.